Welcome back to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. This is Miguel, episode 26. I got my boy P, my boy Fred. How you guys doing? Yo, what's good, people? What's good? Doing great, doing great in this uh, quarantine life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good. Just enjoying the, uh, enjoying the old self-isolation there. But otherwise, all good. How's, how's everyone else doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been crappy, to say the least. I mean, California, we've been on lockdown for, for a minute now. I know last time we spoke. 12, 12 13 days now, eh? Geez, I don't know. It feels like forever. See, yeah. here's, here's the funny thing, though, and probably a lot of people don't know this. So I've, I've spoken about me being in sales for a long time, so I'm a, I'm a sales guy for, for my company. And sure, I'm always up and down and doing different things, but uh, for the most part, because I, I have to put proposals together for my clients and put maps together and whatnot, I've been working out of my house for four years now. So this whole self-quarantine hasn't really been different for me in many ways. Uh, what has been different is visiting my customers. I used to do a lot of face-to-face interaction and, and do a lot of meetings, you know, but now it's been a little different. Nonetheless, our business is still thriving, if, if, if you would. But what is different is the weekends because the weekends with my wife and my four-year-old, we used to hang, uh, go places all the time, whether it be the beach or the mall or whatever. Now, we've just been at home, so that's mm-hmm. different. Uh, but also, to be honest with you, the, the, the thing that's been different is just turning on the news, uh, going on the internet. It's just like nothing but just negative stuff, and it's just so depressing. So, but what about you guys? It's definitely depressing around here, especially when I went back to work. That place was like empty. Like, it was like a ghost town. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's how good easy money is the, the best money for me. So, yeah. Well, what but, I'm, in, I'm interested in finding out about Fred, because last time, remember, P, uh, we, we talked to Fred and, and he wasn't he's in India. So he's like, no, we, we're, we're cool over here. But right. you're telling me now, Fred, that you're on lockdown as well. Yeah, we've been on lockdown for exactly a week. So initially it was last Sunday was just a curfew from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. And then like towards the end of the day they were like okay actually we're extending this whole lockdown thing to be until the end of the month and then around wednesday tuesday wednesday they said actually the lockdown's got to last till 14th of april so about mm. getting to like full-on lockdown and it is the eeriest thing in the world walking out on the street in india and seeing absolutely no one like there's one of, like i live in delhi which is like one of the most densely populated cities you can find right I'm used to, like, between here and when I get to the gate of my neighborhood, passing about at least 30 people. Mm. Like, so, it, it's eerie. I went out, I've been out once this week, and I was to go buy groceries, and I went at night, and there was absolutely no one, I think, in the space of 15 minutes, maybe four cars passed me, and that would That's normally insane. be about 400 in the same wow. 15 minutes on a normal day. So, it's, wow. it's, it's eerie. That's pretty insane. Yeah, I know. I, uh, so how many um, confirmed cases do you have over there? Do you know? I think they just passed a thousand. They either just passed a mm. thousand or they're just approaching. But um, I don't know, like, how much testing they're doing or anything like that. So I don't know how accurate those numbers are, like, representative to the real numbers, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. 
Well, guys, uh, we had uh, Darren uh, Tiffany on the show before from DM Tiffany. Awesome guy. And we, we talked about uh, his watches and what he's doing and, and his passion for watches. But we, we made it, guys. So we, we got an, uh, another, another gentleman here by the name of Justin. And uh, if you haven't heard of Monta watches, you've been living under a rock <laughs> if you're a watch enthusiast. So, Justin, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Miguel and P and Fred. It's great to be with you all this morning. Yeah, and you are Thank based you. in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. We right? are, yeah. Headquartered in St. Louis. Um, I've lived here basically my whole life. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. let me let me ask you, since we kind of went around and talked about how uh, weird things are in our neck of the woods, how are things for you guys over there in St. Louis? Um, you know, similar to what you guys alluded to, um, I think St. Louis has 150 to 200 cases as of yesterday when I checked. And I've gone through the cycle of really paying a lot of attention to it um, four or five weeks ago. And then now I just, I, I can't even stand to look at it. I'm just focusing on my business, focusing on my family. Um, I've been working from home for about 16 days now, I guess it was two weeks on Friday and I've gone out two or three times to the grocery store. And like, like you guys said, I mean, far less cars on the road. And, um, it's a pretty nice day here today in St. Louis. It was really nice yesterday. Uh, my wife and kids were out for a walk and there was just, there was people everywhere walking, which is great to see because it's usually not like that. So that, that's the. Uh, I, I always try to look for the, the silver lining or the, the positives in any environment. So that, that's been a great thing to see. That's awesome. Mm. So before we get into the history and, uh, and questions that we have, why don't we do a wrist check? Because I, I typically always forget. <laughs> I, in fact, there was an episode where we completely forgot and then we got called out on it. So, Justin, we'll let you go first. What, what are you wearing today? Um, so it's, it's 9.15 here in St. Louis. I'll, I'll admit I've been up for about an hour. <laughs> slept in a little bit today so i just grabbed the watch that i was wearing yesterday which was on the nightstand which is our gilt ocean king with date on bracelet mm. beautiful beautiful love that watch yeah uh guys p fred uh, uh below the precision very nice can't go wrong with that yeah sounds good fred yeah uh the omega seamaster 300m on the uh bond needle strap yeah very cool I finally given cartier a rest Oh, that's cool. Well, today I'm wearing the watch that I got for Valentine's Day, which I got to admit, I look at it and I'm like, why did I get this watch? I don't even wear dress watches. I, I guess it's just one of those things that we as collectors kind of go through and you get something in your head and you want to get. So I am wearing the vintage Gerard Perigo, um on this blue alligator strap, I guess, which is funny because I'm still wearing my PJs and this is such a dress watch. <laughs> But just like mm-hmm. Justin, uh, the other day I saw him wearing a tuxedo, so it's all good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is pretty funny. So, Justin, you've been a busy, busy boy. I, uh, I've seen you on Instagram practically everywhere, 10 and 2, uh, 40 and 20. I mean, I can't – I don't even know how many different people you've been talking to. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I'm up to about – 13 or 14 episodes, which I, I call an episode now because I'm doing them every day. I literally did one every day this week. I have the next eight or nine days scheduled out. And my business partner, Michael Martini, who started a little uh, rubber strap company you may have heard of called Everest. Yep. Um, he and I had been you know, talking leading up to this. And as business owners, we have big decisions we have to make, which the biggest one for us was sending the staff home. Uh, to work from home about two weeks ago. 
And I said, well, when I'm sitting at home, I'm just going to be an open book. I'm going to reach out to any reviewer, blogger, media personnel, whoever it is. And on the second or third day at home, I decided, hey, I'm going to get in front of the camera. And I just put out a message that says, you know, keep your head up. We're all in this together. You know, kind of try to be inspiring. And, and then I said, you know, I'm a little bored. If you've got some questions, fire away. <laughs> and I, I usually get a ton of questions when I do that. And, and I expected that and I had the time set aside to do it. And so um, that morphed into doing a live video with Omer from Jumping Jalapeno or Half Watch Tuesday. Right. And um, uh, right after that, I reached out to Steve from Raven and my buddy Jonathan from Brew and Chase from Open Oscar and Wes from Notice and all my friends who are brand owners in the industry. And I said, let's come together and let's uh let's start doing these live videos and because everyone else is just sitting at home like us let's give them something to look forward to something to talk about and so that's that's how we got to where we are now and and you know call it selfishly too i really enjoy it i'm a people person you know um i love that, that i'm sitting here i'm actually sitting in my car in my driveway because my kids are too loud in the house <laughs> the, the fact that i'm sitting here with you guys who i've never met and we instantly have this bond because of our shared passion for watches so that that to me is what it's all about that's awesome and absolutely I, I i completely agree with you i don't know about you guys but it, it's so funny to me I, i've been I, i've been a car guy for a long time and i used to be i think i've shared this story before i i was into cars for pretty much my whole life and when I used to go to the car meets, there wasn't really a connection with people the way that there's a connection with watches, which is crazy. And I've met so many great people such as P, Fred, you, Justin, and other people that it's, it's crazy that the connection is just almost instant. And, and you're 100% right. I mean, you're sitting in your driveway in your car. We all do crazy things for for this passion, so we we really do appreciate it. Now, before we get into the history of Monta and ask uh, some questions that we have, uh, you know, I, I I gotta ask, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but since you've been collaborating with a lot of people, have you seen any increase in sales or any movement? Um, I wouldn't say an increase in sales. Um, you know, I I think it's helped given the environment. Um, okay. February was our best month ever. It was oh. literally a record month. Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. And we, you know, so coming into March, knowing the way things were going, you know, economically here and, and socially that, uh, we, we knew things were going to be down and they are down and I have to believe, or maybe I just, it's, it's my positive attitude that says, keep doing these things because it is keeping our name in the forefront. Um, as much as I enjoy doing it, I, it's also still, a job and I use that term loosely because I truly <laughs> do love my job. But yeah. um but yeah, I, I've got a business to run. I have to keep selling watches. I have employees I have to take care of. So so this all ties into that. Sounds good. All right. Well for like I said in the beginning, for anybody living under a rock that doesn't really know Monta, why don't you give us just a brief history of, of what is Monta? Sure. I know you have four watches in your collection and and you talk briefly about uh, your partner, Michael, starting uh, Everest. So, yeah, you just kind of kind of walk us through real quick, if you don't mind. Yep. Yeah. So the, the, the quick story is Michael came up with the idea in 2015, along with our, our third business partner, David Barnes, um, who they started Everest together. And the idea was to, to do a watch brand that, that spoke to passionate watch collectors that was styled after the 50s and 60s tool watch, classic sport watch design, 
and and do it with an attention to detail that will just exceed any expectation. So quality, design, connectivity to the brand, all of those important things. Um, we launched the Gen 1 Ocean King in 2016 with a pre-order. I actually was order numero uno when I was still a finance guy at Morgan Stanley. Oh. And um, Michael started sharing with me the idea and the renderings, and I really got a front row seat to everything as it developed. And it, as, as, as watch guys know, it's, it just takes a hold of you sometimes. And in my instance, it was really strong where I worked up the courage after him kind of encouraging me to quit my job and come do this with him. And so uh, December 31st, 2016, I walked out of my Morgan Stanley office that next Monday or Tuesday after New Year's. I was I was at the Everest office. And about six months later, um, long story short, the brand wasn't going to succeed doing the retailer route. Uh, so we pivoted to online and I made a big capital investment to become an owner. And uh, that was almost three and a half years ago now. So we've been uh, off to the races ever since then. Cool. That that is pretty scary. I don't know if I ever had the courage <laughs> to leave a Morgan Stanley position to go <laughs> to play with watches. How do you? So I know you're married, right? And you have two yep. two two kids. Um, mm-hmm. How did your wife take that? How did was she supportive? Did she give you a lot of grief about? She was indifferent, and you just have to kind of know my wife in that regard. That she never said no, but she was never like, "Oh yeah, honey, you should do this. This is a great idea." Um, she just kind of listened and, and, you know, body language was neutral. Um, but I think she understood and we've, we've dated since we were 18. So we know each other really well. And I think she just understood that, that this is what I was going to do. And I'm a pretty passionate guy anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty lucky that she didn't put up much of a fight. That's awesome. Mm. It's always important, you know, just if, if your wife is behind you on anything, it just makes life so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so four watches in your collection, right? So you said you started with the yep. Ocean King. What was number two, number three, and number four? So, yeah, so Gen 1 Ocean King. This, is, this will be in chronological order. Gen 1 Ocean King. Then we launched the Triumph at Baselworld 2018. Um, I'm sorry, Baselworld 2017. And uh, we did the pre-order later that year. That was right when we pivoted to the online-only model. And then in 2018, we announced Gen 2 Ocean King and simultaneously finally launched the SkyQuest, which we had hinted at at Baselworld 2017. And then 2019 was the Atlas and the uh, no-date Ocean King or time-only Ocean King. We also did a 12-hour bezel. And then um, and then that's that's where we sit right now. We, we would have been... I guess we would have been in San Francisco right now for wind-up, but historically this is when Baselworld usually t- takes place. Um, but as we know, that was pushed back this year and then, and then ultimately canceled. Right. So were you guys planning on attending uh, Baselworld this year? Or? Yeah. Yeah, we, oh, had, okay. we had already put money down. It wasn't inside. Uh, the first two years we did a, a booth in Baselworld proper, like in Hall 1.1, just the, the, the floor above all the big brands. And last year in 2019, um, we didn't really like the offer that we were getting from Baselworld. We didn't felt that it met our needs as an online only brand. And so um, we actually reached out to a gentleman who runs what's called the Swiss Creative Lab, which is about 30 brands that take over the hotel right next door to the Baselworld uh, complex. And we had a fantastic show there last year. I mean, it literally just knocked it apart for us. And so um, we, uh, we had fully planned to do that again this year. And then um, 
had had to cancel that, of course, when when they canceled the show. Right. So, do you agree with the with the sentiment that a lot of people have that Basil World is basically a dinosaur and it's going to just go away? Um, yes and no. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I see both sides of the argument because I think, um, you know, Monta sits at a unique position being an online only brand. Basil World for us is a spotlight on the industry where we can ride the coattails of all of that. And our only goal is to meet with the press. Um, we have one retailer we were hoping to add a few this year, which was a Basel World goal for us, but now it's obviously been pushed back. And so the, the meetings with Hodinkee, Worn and Wound, Gear Patrol, A Blog to Watch, et cetera, names like that, that's our whole purpose of being there. Yes, we do typically launch a new model that, um, that shines the spotlight on that as well. But um, now it's up to us to, to make all this buzz on our own. And Michael and I both agree that if it goes well, then it's going to be a really tough decision next year of, well, do we really need to go back there or do we just take advantage of our strength in social media? That's, that's a great point. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I do have a question or I guess we all have a question. So let me, let me go first. Uh, So obviously Michael and David started this whole thing and uh, then they kind of brought you in. Were you already a watch guy by then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, huge watch guy ever since I was a kid, kind of in and out of it up until probably when I was 25 is when I got really back into it. And um, obviously was was making a little bit more money at that point, could could explore the the, the finer watches out there. And um, and yeah, like I said, I I was the the first one to order when I was still at Morgan Stanley when he launched the pre-order, you know, mainly because I really adored the watch and the design and I got to touch and feel the prototype. But then number two was to support my friends. And um, it's really cool for me from a nostalgic standpoint to go back in our our uh, our order history and see my name as order you know one zero zero one. That's cool. Um, you know, when you see the amount of orders we're at now. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said before, still, even though I'm a brand owner now, I'm still very much a watch enthusiast. That's pretty cool. So, uh, I'm, I'm assuming either Michael or David came up with the name, the logo, and I wanted to ask yeah. what it, what do they mean? Cause I mean, I'm looking at the name Monta and I'm like, what is, what does that mean? And then the logo, what is, what does that mean? So, yeah. So Monta is a derivation of the French words for mountain and watch. So Montagne and Montre, obviously the mountain theme tying in our Everest background. And then the logo is a tribute to Michael's wife, who's always been so supportive of his ideas. She loves the quatrefoil shape. And so the, the Monta logo is just a quatrefoil that's kind of been flipped and inverted in quarter pieces. And it also obviously retains that, that kind of Swiss cross pattern as well. Hmm. Very cool. Very interesting. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Um, who's responsible for coming up with the designs and names? Because as far as design go, I think my favorite is the Triumph, the Blue Dial. Mm-hmm. I think that thing is just rocking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Michael comes up with most of the designs. Um, we do have two designers in Switzerland, one that handles a lot of the aesthetic side and then another one that handles a lot of the technical side. So, uh, for example, you know, the Atlas is, is my favorite one to point to because mm-hmm. that was us listening to customers who said, um, you know, someone like you, UP who says, I, I like the Triumph, but I want to see it without numbers on the dial and GMTs are really hot right now. 
And so, um, so Michael and Eric, who's on our website, um, one of our Swiss designers, who um, ha- has a tremendous background. Uh, he, he was deeply involved in Zenith uh, years back, uh, Codex. I think he had a brief stint with Paddock, actually. And um, so they kind of noodle together. Michael says, I want to do this. And Eric helps him kind of come up with the full completed design. And then another guy handles the technical stuff to make sure that you know, the movement's going to fit in the case and that there's clearance for the hands between the dial and the crystal and all these very minute details, um, which can be very nerve wracking, but are also really cool, especially as a watch enthusiast to see those things come together. And um, yeah, and then I, I basically get to sit back and go, that's really cool. Or I like this better than that. Um, I, I have about 2% of the involvement of the design process. <laughs> very cool. 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 Yeah. And what about um on the inside? Like from the specs, I'm guessing you're probably running a either an ETA two eight nine two or a SW three hundred. Is there are there ETA movements or are there Solido ones? So we we were exclusively Solida up until about a year ago, and this would be a, a great topic for a future podcast with the Comco decision and how that mm. impacts the movement industry, which is kind of a perfect storm right now with the COVID issues on top of that because everyone is shut down. And um, we were using, yes, the SW300 and then the SW330 in the SkyQuest. And when it came time for the Atlas, um, we were told by Salida that they could not provide any more SW330s for us. Um, Not not forever, just at that time. So we had to make a a pivot to ETA, and that was the 2893-2 in the Atlas. Um, We have subsequently... Um, received a tiny bit of an allotment of SW330s, which you'll see uh, occasionally a Atlas or SkyQuest now that has an SW330, but for the most part, they're 2893s. And, um, and then that's why we changed the, the caliber language on our website. Not that we're doing anything in-house except a customized rotor. Um, I'm not going to hide behind that at all. Um, it's just instead of you know, confusing the customer and saying, well, it could be this or it could be that. We're just calling them specific calibers. And we spent an exorbitant amount of time with our in-house watchmaker testing and and going through the motions on both these movements to make sure that they were identical in terms of performance, reliability, and obviously the warranty is the same. Um, We we feel very strongly that, you know, I, I know the industry thinks that there is a slight premium to ETA versus Salida. I think they are identical in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, and in in terms of that, like, can you talk us through? I guess, especially in the early stages. I mean, what was it like, essentially picking the motor that's going to run your watches? Um, what was that process like for you guys? Did you guys have to do a lot of trial and error, or did you already have an idea from the beginning of roughly what you wanted to use? So we started the Gen One Ocean King with an Eterna movement, the caliber thirty nine oh nine A which looked great on paper and um, had a lot of bells and whistles and very interesting and and attractive. Um, But we found out that it was maybe a little too exotic for us. Uh, We had some problems with it, and that's ultimately why we pivoted away to Salida. And at that point in time, um, you know, in our opinion, and it's just an opinion, there there's really only three players uh, in the industry for us, and that's Salida, Etta, and Soprod. Um, we've, we've been testing all three of those movements for the last six to eight months. And, um, you're actually going to see SoProd be introduced, uh, in the future. 
um, because of the movement issues that we're having where we literally can't buy movements. And I think it's a big concern for the, the micro brand industry because a lot of these guys, you know, who are getting started, um, they're not going to be able to buy movements at all. So they're going to have to just wait um, and hopefully they can stick it out um, or they're going to have to go the third party route and hope that they can find a reliable movement broker who can provide sound movements to them. Um, but back to your question, it, it was always those because A, it had to be Swiss made, it had to be reliable, it had to be uh, easily serviceable by any trained watchmaker. There had to be an abundance of spare parts available. Um, ultimately, all those decisions being made yeah. to take care of the customer. Sure. No, and they're, they're great movements. I have the cool. 289, uh, 2893 in my Steinhardt, and it's worked as well as any of my other ones. It's really, really good movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty cool. So I know your watches are Swiss made. Are they just completely assembled in Switzerland, or do they bring some parts to the yep. U.S.? Or how does how does it? Yeah, in order to put Swiss made on the dial, um, you have to meet a, a several criteria, um, a percentage of the total cost of the movement, and then most importantly, the, the movement itself has to be entirely uh, Swiss made in terms of the pieces and uh, being assembled, tested, regulated, and cased up in Switzerland. Um, so those, that all happens in a, a town called Le Lockel, uh in Switzerland. Uh, so we spend quite a bit of time there. And then it's shipped over here to our office here in St. Louis in the U.S. And it's just the heads of the watch. So my watchmaker installs the bracelet, the strap. Uh, he checks the watch for accuracy, the final QC. And then uh, it's boxed up, packaged, and shipped from, from St. Louis. So where is the uh, bracelet manufactured? Is it Because it's not – you just get the head from Switzerland. So. Yes. Yeah. So bracelet is, is made in Asia. Okay. Yep. Got it. Um, so I guess the next question that I had, uh, and I know you have nothing to do with the uh, design of the watch. You just kind of told us that, but do you know where, where do you guys draw the inspiration uh, from for, for all your pieces? And furthermore, another thing that I keep hearing uh, time and time again, and YouTubers and Instagram and from everybody is they compare your watches to the likes of Rolex, Omega, some other big boys. And I mean, that's a huge honor. And um, how do you guys feel about that? Do you guys agree? So it's a, it's a two part question there. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the inspiration comes from the, the, the sporty tool watches of the sixties and seventies. Um, we try to adapt them with you know, modern technology. We have two patents on our bezel. We do have a patent on the bracelet now. And, um, and it's, it's gotta be something that we want to see. You know, I feel that Michael and I are good barometers because we are such big watch enthusiasts. You know, we're not, we're not two business guys who saw an opportunity in an industry. We're passionate watch guys who, who wanted to do our own thing in this industry that we love. And so it's, it's, it, it sounds selfish, but a lot of times it's what we want. And, but I think that what I want is what a lot of us want. Um, so, you know, the size and proportion is a big deal. Um, the color layout, uh, you know, the, the markers, the hands, um, you know, luminescent material, the, the extension on the, our Ocean King bracelet with the diver's extension class, fully articulating links, all of those things is, is what we want to do. And sometimes, even with the Ocean King, we had some of these manufacturers tell us, you, we, you can't do that. Like, no one can do that. And we're like, no, we, you, you can do it. Like, <laughs> let's work on this. And, and then we get there. And so um, it's been kind of cool to see you know, and, and, and what I'm allowed to say is that, you know, we're, 
we're doing things in the same factories as, as all of the big brands. Um, you know, my, the, 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 the hands on, on my watch are made in Switzerland in the same factory that's making hands for some really big brands. Uh, and I'm, and when I'm saying big, I mean, some of the biggest and, um, and, and same thing with the bracelet, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, questions around like, well, you know, where, where is this really made? the Swiss manufacturers, we work exclusively with Swiss, manu- Swiss manufacturers. It's just that some of them have facilities in Asia and surprise, surprise, that's, that's the way it goes for the vast majority <laughs> of the industry. Um, so um, I've, I've been in a meeting with our, our bracelet maker and said, he said, you know, here's one of these was made in our Swiss factory. One of them was made in our Asian factory. Which one do you think is which? And I can't tell a difference. Yeah. Um, so um, so that's, that, that's kind of the, the design and, and production piece of it. Um, you know, the, the next designs are all going to be driven on, on what we want to do. Um, I've said it a, a litany of times in other podcasts that at some point, someday in the future, whether that's next year or 10 years from now, we will do a chronograph because I love chronographs. My original love was the Rolex Daytona. I still have an affinity for it and, uh, and God willing, we're going to, we're going to produce cool. a chronograph someday. Cool. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, before we, we move on to other questions, I do have a question that I this has kind of ling- been lingering uh, in my mind. So why a 60 click vessel on the Ocean King versus 120 click? Does it, is there a reason? Am I... um, that was a preference of, of Michael and Eric. And then number two is um, because we do have now at the time we were, we filed the patent about a year ago, we got the patents on our bezel assembly and um, you know, I've got the one here and you can just hear that click and it's, it's real audible. It's very tight. There's no back play and 120 click bezel wouldn't have that same tactical feel. It would have been a little looser with our design. Um, So, so yeah, that and the fact that, you know, we, we want it to pay tribute to the tool watch heritage, but um, let's be real. The vast majority, probably 90% of dive watches never go in the ocean. Um, (laughs) So we, we wanted, we wanted to have the functionality, but also the history too. Okay, cool. Um, at this moment, what's your most popular model and why do you think that is? Hands down the Triumph and specifically the silver dial with the red text, which mm. is now sold out because we just could not keep up with the demand for it. Yeah, I see that. I see and, that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's popular because that is truly like you, you cannot tell me the triumph looks like any other watch like i get you can say the ocean king looks like a sub looks like a seamaster looks like a 50 fathoms you know whatever you want to throw at it um but i feel the triumph design language is is, is truly ours it's it's unique uh, without being esoteric or weird or, or like off the wall and um the size is fantastic you know it's a 47 millimeter lug to lug which is where i always start with dimensions because that's a really important one to me and then the 38 and a half millimeter case, it's only 9.1 millimeters in total thickness. Um, it's just kind of the perfect size. I have a six and a half inch wrist, um, but I've got a customer who's got like an eight and a half inch wrist. And it looks great on him too. Mm. And, um, and the colorways are great. You know, the black, the blue, the silver, we had a green that was discontinued that became insanely popular once we announced we were discontinuing it ironically. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so that, like I said before, really played into the Atlas. Um, it's, it's a very similar case design. It's actually, mm-hmm. it's a little different, but very similar. Um, same uh, radial brushed bezel uh, with the polished knife edge on the outer edge of the bezel. And uh, 38 and a half. Atlas is a little bit thicker, but, but yeah, Triumph, Triumph is the number one seller. And, uh, and that's definitely going to be a, a driving force in the future. Yeah, I love that blue on there, boy. That, whew. That green, yep. that green is pretty hot, too. And I know green's making a comeback this year, so. Yeah, I think we're <laughs> a little early, unfortunately. We're ahead, we're, we're early to the party on green. I'm looking at the pomo. It's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. That gray looks yeah. really nice. That's great silver. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, that's why it sold out. <laughs> yeah. It looks awesome, man. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, with how things are going now, obviously, like, economic situation and everyone adjusting to the pandemic being an online business would you say that it's been easier for you guys to adapt and adjust or like obviously i imagine there's still challenges to it but how's it been in terms of from the sales side over let's say like the last month when this is really heated up but also from the production side you know have you heard from uh from obviously the manufacturers in switzerland are closing left right and center um has sort of impacted your supply chain or your production yeah. run yet or is it something that you know is going to hit soon or talk us through sort of how you guys have been able to adjust to the current climate yeah so i think for us it's been easier in the sense that we don't have retailers so it's it's just us we control all the decisions we we're directly in touch with the customer so that's a, a huge plus for us uh on the negative side yeah we're certainly feeling the same things that everyone is feeling um, Salida and Etta are closed. Our assembly company's closed. Our hand manufacturer's closed. Luckily, and, and I, I truly mean this, we got lucky in hindsight. Um, we, we were about to run out of bracelets. Actually, I thought we were going to run out because uh, February was such a huge month for us. And, uh, but then, you know, this all happened and it slowed things down a little bit. So we are literally taking delivery next week of, uh, of more bracelets, which is perfect timing. Um, we're, we're waiting on more tri- silver triumph dials. That's why that's out of stock. Um, we've got, uh, a, a batch of more triumph cases that are going to be arriving. They were already in production, um, that are going to be arriving in a probably three weeks or so, four weeks. Um, we're okay on hour minute second movements. We're running pretty low on GMT movements. So you're definitely going to see, uh, sky quest and Atlas, um, go out of stock. Uh, here in the very near future. And um, so th- those are the problems we're dealing with. Sales have certainly slowed, um, but they're, they're still coming in. And, um, you know, that, that to me is, is kind of an emotional roller coaster because um, I do have several employees and um, we've been able to yeah. retain them all. That is certainly my goal. And um, we, we've been, We've been very fortunate to, to receive a lot of love from the watch fam in terms of, of buying our watches uh, in, in this difficult time, which, you know, is something I don't take lightly. And, um, you know, without getting emotional about it, it's it, it is a very emo- emotional roller coaster in that sense that we want to stay in business. We have to stay in business. Um, I know we've got a fantastic product. And, uh, you know, if you read any of the reviews or talk to any of our customers, um, as I always say, there's a lot of people who do it right. You know, there's a lot of brands out there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, um, but no one does it better than us. You know, there's someone who may do it as good, but there's no way you can beat Monta when it comes to that connectivity to the brand, the customer service. And, uh, you know, the, the design and the quality is all going to be subjective, but 
you know, I, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find someone to really knock us on, on, on our designs or our, our quality. Yeah, I know. I completely agree with you. Now, let me talk about the elephant in the room. Cause I know there's been, there's been a lot of talk in the watch industry and that's mm-hmm. the price. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. as a micro brand and, and, uh, I could attest to this. If you listen to our back episodes, when I first started this thing, actually episode three, I think I did an episode about, um, micro brands and, mm-hmm. I I'm coming around, but I I completely was against micro brands because I was like, you know, you're spending all this money and it's, you know, what what are you really buying? And there's no heritage there and this and that. But for your brand, it's a little different because I completely see that the, the sign aspect, the the way they're built, this is completely different. You guys are are taking a very serious approach, and I could see maybe with your business model, especially with the price point. You're not like uh, other brands out there, and I'm not going to name any of them. But they, their, their, their model is: let's make them cheap and just move a lot of a lot of them, and that's how we're going to make our money. But you guys are in a completely yeah. different um, uh, approach, if you will. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how do you how do you respond to people that say two thousand dollars for a microbrand? Are you crazy? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a great question, and and I'm happy to address it because as a former finance professional it's, it's where my brain naturally gravitates towards and um and, and and i'll tell you all like when when i came on board when we were doing the triumph pre-order um i told mike i was like we should we should do this at like 1250 or 1200 and he was like absolutely not and and i knew what the costs were and he's like you you know he goes i've been doing this a long time with everest and businesses before that um the cost of doing business is is tremendous you know when you if, if i break it down and i say okay the case the dial the hands the movement the bracelet the box the pouch the warranty card the instruction booklet shipping customs and then warranty customer service insurance um overhead for you know the the, the meager salaries that, that we pay ourselves and our employees marketing uh travel basil world wind up red bars all these things that we do um, you know, the, the margins get pretty thin and, um, and the other thing is, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta stick around, you know, if, if we slash the price, um, it's, it's just going to be a temporary bandaid to a business that's ultimately going to fail. And so, um, your, your point is a great one about history and heritage. And that's in my eyes, the only thing we don't have, I mean, I'm not going to say that at five years old, oh yeah, we've got this rich history of when we started in 2015 and. No, I mean, that would all be, be just salesmanship there. But um, the, the, the aspect of, of price in terms of quality has to be experienced. And that's my biggest uphill battle is how do I convey the quality of our watches over Instagram, Facebook, and other, other digital media channels until you can turn the bezel and feel the articulating links and turn the crown and see the way the light catches the beveled hands and the applied markers um, you know, you, you said it a minute ago that people would compare us to Omega, Rolex, you know, Tag, Longines, Oris, whoever. And, and I'm, I'm still uh, honored and flattered to this day to have those comparisons. But um, I don't think I'm being prideful or anything when I hold my watch compared to one of those and say that, you know, that it's the, the heritage and the history is worth an extra X percent or X dollars. Um, cause like I said before, I mean, it's, it, it's not incredibly difficult to build a watch We're we're, we're building and sourcing our components from the same places as these brands. It's just, 
it's our design is different. Our style is a little different, but the quality is there all the way. Um, but that's, that's for the individual consumer to, uh, to be the judge of, and, and I'm not going to get in the way of that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's a great answer. Right on. Right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now something I'm, I'm curious about, and I don't know if you could, you could answer, but how many pieces are you guys producing on a annual basis? Um, it, it depends. It's kind of hard to say because like the MOQ minimum order quantity is different for dials, cases, hands, yeah. movements. Um, you know, we, like we order 500 cases at a time. Um, so we're, you know, we're on our second set of 500 triumph cases. Uh, we're nearing the end of, of ocean King and sky quest. Um, I think we've sold probably close to 300 atlases. So we're going to have to be reordering those cases pretty soon. So, uh, before this all happened, um, you know, we were, we were well on pace to do somewhere in the neighborhood of. 1200 to 1400 watches this year is what we probably would have delivered mm, wow. um we'll we'll see where that shakes out uh this year given given what's going on and, and supply constraints but um but yeah you know i'm i'm proud of those numbers and uh i i know they're, they're they continue to grow every month and um and and we will get through this i've you know the, i i have the secret weapon which is michael Martini, my business partner um, he's just amazing when it comes to problem solving and he's really taught me to stay optimistic, stay positive, think creatively. And, um, you know, I, I have no regrets, especially about, you know, talking to my former partners at Morgan Stanley. Like I think I'm in a better boat than they are right now because <laughs> they're, they're getting crucified by their clients. And, um, and so, so we make Mike and I make a fantastic team and, uh, I know we're going to crush this. That's awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so, much. so let me move on. So we, we put out a, a I put out a, a, I guess, questions out there to people who listen to our podcast. And some people do have questions for you. So uh, okay. there's at TikToking and uh, AB from Watch Collecting Strategies. They both have a question that says, uh, any plans on making a time only salmon dial watch? Zero plans uh, for Salmon Dial. The only time only we have is the Ocean King. Um, we've never done a true limited edition, but I think for our, our brand, if we were going to do a unique dial color, it probably would be a limited edition. That would be a reason to do it. It wouldn't be a permanent fixture. Okay. You know, we want to have a we want to have a pretty classic. Uh, you know, all four models will be will, will perpetually be available with with those classic dial colors. Got it. All right. Sounds good. And then at Chia Ming as he has two questions. First one is would love to see a no day triumph. So is that mm -hmm. happening? <laughs> uh, no, no plans at the moment, but that's something that, you know, based on the success of the no date ocean King, um, I, I think we could get there. That will be uh that will, the, the, the roadblock now will be the no date movement because we have the date function removed. So there's no phantom crown position. And, um, and until we can get, you know, the, either Salida Ed or Soprod to, to do that for us, um, that will have, that, that will be the, the roadblock until we can do that. Got it. Well, his other question at Chia Ming is, I hope they renew their clasp is too long and flat, not friendly to smaller wrists. Yeah. So I've, I've heard this one a little more lately, so I'm paying more attention to it. So I'm, I'm wearing the ocean King right now. I have a six and a half inch wrist. That's probably slightly on the smaller side. And, and I don't, I don't mean to say this like in a rude way, but I feel like most wrists have an oval shape to them. 
but if your wrist is shaped more like like a broomstick like a perfect circle then i can see where it's it might be a problem but i mean this thing lays pretty flat on my wrist uh, we got a lot of them out there most people just absolutely love it um but yeah i, I think you know as that that question that that suggestion comes up more and more we will have to probably look at, at some solution there but you know as i've thought about it if we shorten the clasp that's going to mean less room for it to, to open up to slide off your wrist. So if it's too short, you might not be able to get the thing on and off. So that's, that's something we got to go, uh, go back to the drawing board on at some point. Okay. Sounds good. And then the last question here from a daily wrist checker, uh, it's our friend mag, uh, any plans for an in-house movement? Zero. And that will probably never happen. Um, I've, I've listened to some smart people in the industry explain the cost measures to do that. Uh, not only just the design and prototyping, but then buying the machines, training someone to operate those machines, the amount of components you could crank out on a daily basis and how long you'd have to run those machines till you have all the components so you can start assembling. And then finally, you have then one or two people who know how to do that movement and assemble that movement. So until we have a huge staff, and I mean, I hope this is in my lifetime because it might be a cool achievement, but um, that's why it's just much better to stick with a movement that's been around for decades with tons of spare parts and literally thousands of watchmakers around the world who know how to work on it. Um, Because the worst case scenario would be customer buys a fill in the blank model from Monta with the in-house movement and five years down the road, you know, we realized it didn't work and now that customer has a problem with that watch and we can't fix it. That, that to me is like a, Mm. you know, worst case scenario. Okay. Yeah. Completely makes sense. I know, uh, micro brands, let me see Christopher Ward, right. That's the first one that comes to mind. I know they did their in-house movement. So maybe they have deep pockets. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they've they've been around a long time and they've got a, a great brand going and name recognition now that, um, as long as they can, uh, you know, keep staff around to work on that movement and be there to support the customer base, they should be okay. Um, I think it's pretty impressive, you know, them and, you know, the ones I kind of look to is Christopher Ward and Vermont, you know, they're about, I think 15 years old each somewhere in that neighborhood. So, um, you know, in t- 10 years from now, when we're that age, uh, I'm excited to see where we are. Yeah, that's super cool. So those are the questions yeah. we had now let's talk other things. Justin, you are our yep. guest. This is a segment where we talk about other things. It could be watches, but it could be anything you want to talk about. So anything you want to share with us, anything cool that you experience or food or book or. Yeah. So I'm uh, two things I'll share with you guys is uh, both of them really apply right now because of being quarantined is I was a huge Lego kid growing up Mm. and you know, like high school and college, it wouldn't have been too cool to be playing Legos. So I, I got back into it about four or five years ago with uh, the architecture series and the Technic series. Uh, my entire office, my I have a windowsill that runs the like the perimeter of my office, and I have all of the architecture cities: so New York, Chicago, uh, Vegas, Sydney, London, etc. And then um, I just finished the 1989 oh, Batmobile last week. I saw that, and then yeah. Yeah, and then I've got uh, two nights ago. I started that new Defender ninety. Um, so, so I got I got plenty that for like the, the twenty minutes a day I have to spare, uh, I, I play Legos. Mm. So, how do your do your kids let you play the Legos? 
Yeah, I mean, I've gotten them into it. I have two daughters. They're nine and five. And there's this Friends series of like kind of like miniature kind of Barbie style Legos. And uh, so we sit at the dining room table. I'm at one end with mine and they're at the other end with theirs. Sounds good. Now, before we move forward, I don't know if you, you've uh, heard the Scottish Watches podcast, but those guys yeah. are just adamant that it's not Legos. It's no plural. It's Lego. How do you feel true. about that? That is true. Is it, is it true? That, no, they're, they're right. And no shame <laughs> on me. As, as, a, as a Lego <laughs> aficionado, I, I, I stand corrected. That, that, is, that is proper. I think it's an American thing, right? We all just call it Legos, not Legos. Yeah. It's kind of weird to call it Lego, but whatever. Yeah, that's true. Guys, uh, P, Fred? Uh, don't tell Star Wars. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. Fred. Oh, yeah. Fred, Star Wars. Fred. Fred, 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 Fred. Well, we didn't do a podcast. Fred. You up to date? Okay, cool, cool. We didn't do a podcast last week, so we couldn't talk about this last week. So let's go with last week's episode of the Clone Wars, which I thought was total bull. Like I was totally disappointed, but I see where they're going. Yeah, I mean it was Soka. It was one of those ones where they had you know to do I mean? episode essentially just to start the plot. It was too much to do it in one episode. Like if we look at right. what they did this week and last week, it was too much to cram into one episode. So, yeah, last week's one felt like just like right. kind of a nothing. Right. But after you see this week's, makes a bit more right. sense. Yeah, I thought, I, I, I think where they're going is, well, you know what, where they're going is Anakin is going to go rescue Ahsoka from the Pikes. Because did you notice towards like the middle yeah, of the episode when they there. flew off and yeah. he had kind of sensed her? But did you see the Darth Vader vibe uh, in that? Not so much, but I saw that. Like, did you see that? I didn't... You didn't see that, like in Empire Strikes Back when he was talking to Luke, and he was yeah. kind of looking around, and it's like in almost sense, parallel. You know what I'm saying? Like when you said Darth Vader vibe, I thought like you yeah. know, a bit of a vibe, like he was going to do something bad. But but yeah, nah, 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 Empire. Um, yeah, I'm curious if he's going to do anything. Yeah. I'm more curious as to uh, if we're going to see Maul soon. Because from what I remember, last we saw Maul, he was in with the yeah. Pikes and some of those other intergalactic gangsters. Right. So I think right. that's how we're going to see right. him come back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to Are you into Star Wars week. at all, Justin? What, what about you, Miguel? Are you into Star Wars at all? Hello? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, going back to Lego, it's just the my my business partner Michael got me the Millennium Falcon and then oh, the wow. Star Destroyer for Christmas the past two mm. years. So that's oh, that's my Star Wars extent. Oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, just what about no. you, Miguel? Yeah, no, Justin and I are not into Star Wars. Justin, just just to let you know, this is like the fifth episode they do this to me. <laughs> they talk Star Wars and I completely zone off, and then they they're like, "What about you, Miguel?" I'm like, what? That's why I you know what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You don't mind leaving you <laughs> leaving you to sit in the corner for right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into something that's so uninteresting to you guys, and just talk about it with so much passion, and be like, "What do you guys think about that?" <laughs> oh man wow uh, but Fred what do, what, what do you got oh well I started watching because um, obviously you know the good thing good joy about uh, quarantine and social distancing is you get to watch a lot of movies so uh, I started watching uh, the Alien yeah. franchise again so I watched Alien and uh, mm. and James Cameron's great Alien so great, probably great. after this I'm going to watch Alien 3 and it is such a good series 
I I miss seeing that. It's crazy seeing what oh, they yeah. achieved, especially like I think the original Alien was what nineteen seventy six. I want to say seventy nine. Seventy nine. Seventy. It's amazing what they could achieve. Yeah. Like you compare to yep. what they're able to do now, but back then they could still get all like that suspense. You would still like the Alien's still believable. You know, like some of those old practical effects hold up more than the CGI from you know this year, last year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, two things. Uh, I know there's a lot of cool watches in Alien. Yeah, like, that's in really the cool looking one. Seiko. In, uh, Aliens. Right? And, like, and a bunch of Casios. In the second one. Low-key sort of hiding in the background. And then also... That's pretty cool. Um, also, from a design perspective, being an artist, uh, I've always been a fan of HR... I don't know if it's HR Giger or Geiger, however the hell you pronounce it. Giger. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you can, guys know who he is, but you should look him up. He has some crazy looking drawings and things. He yeah, did. he's like, the one that came yeah, up with the alien. Like with how he was gonna live. Live. Um, one watch, one watch that I always feel looks like yeah. as if he had designed it is the uh, Patek Philippe sculpture. It's a um, it was a Russia only model, very very limited. I actually saw one in Dubai, um, but it has that sort of vibe of like it's metallic but at the same time it seems sort of organic it has these sort of curves to it it's really really cool it looks like hr giger designed it it's um that's a really sick watch mm. like i feel if, if the alien was a watch it would be that yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah well for me um and I, I this is actually i was talking to p and then kind of fred jumped in and he kind of heard what i was talking about so i recently so change my equipment for youtube and finally purchase a camera right so sony a6300 and of course now since i'm shooting in 4k i had to find a software i couldn't use my phone anymore an iphone and i don't have a mac so god it's so difficult to find a good software free software i should say because if, if you have the money then you could get adobe and there's so many things but i actually found one that is super easy to use it's called olive i don't know if anybody listening has heard of that mm. but it was super easy it was as easy to navigate and the cool thing about uh, today's day and age is youtube youtube is your teacher every little question that i had along the way i would just type something in and there was a youtuber talking about it so it's like i kind of self-taught myself and of course i have a long journey ahead uh but it was really cool and i've gotten some really positive feedback on my latest video it's not great where i want it to be because i have this idea in my head of how where i want my channel to kind of go uh but yeah that that's kind of my shared story it's it's kind of different i feel like i'm elevating my game uh i do want to get to to that pinnacle of a thousand subscribers just like fred has i know you surpassed that and yeah um justin i would love to review one of your watches in, in the future never had the opportunity to hold one in the metal neither has p nor mm -hmm. friend i i think i speak for them but yeah i, I hear yeah. nothing but great things i saw the teddy baldassar uh, review on it and then of course yep. uh joe jory no yeah uh jody jody not jory uh yep. and, and he had nothing but good things to say about it so it's crazy that these yeah. people that we look up to, or at least I look up to, are saying such great positive things about your watches. I'm like, that is crazy. And I know Kat owns uh, one of your watches as well from 10 and 2. The... She does. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's awesome. And then uh, DM uh, Darren from DM Tiffany, I know there's a crazy story, right, that he really wanted one, and you guys actually met him at an airport. That was kind of crazy. Met him at SFO, yeah. Yep. 
He's going to be on my IG live on Friday. Can't wait. He's, he's a great friend of the channel. Yeah. He's always been very supportive of our podcast, and we're very supportive of him. Can't wait to actually see his yeah. prototype as well and kind of the, the Guilloche dials that he's doing. Right. It's incredible. I mean, self-taught individual, and, and, and kudos to him too. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, I will, uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch after this, and I hope I'll keep in touch with all three of you guys, but um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a, a demo unit out to you in the next couple of weeks here. Awesome. Well, thanks, Absolutely. Justin. Yeah, well, Justin, it's been, been a pleasure. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation to come on our little podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And everybody else listening out there, support your local businesses. Let's support Monta. Uh, great watches. I mean, from just just go on YouTube and go on Google yeah. and, and, and you'll see, yeah. right? So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and thank you again, all, all three of you guys, for having me on. I love doing this kind absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely. And uh, for, for everybody listening, um, I, I'm the guy who runs the IG account. Uh, hit me on the DMs there. Send an email to info at montawatch.com, and, and we'll get right back to you. Yeah, and I was going to ask you to uh, share your, your account. So where, where exactly can they find you? So montawatch.com to see the full catalog. There is a, uh, like a, a question submission tool there, but email to info at montawatch.com, and my, my customer service staff is right on top of that or DM the Instagram account at Montawatch. Uh, or, you know, I try to reply to every comment, especially right now. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting around willing and able to engage with my fellow watch enthusiasts. So let's, let's get uh, after you it. You can find Very me cool. on Instagram, cool. Fred, Facebook, Pete. and of course, YouTube. Chaluso on all of those. Sounds same, good. Same here. Ralph's Wristwatch Love, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Okay. And you can find me on YouTube, SoCal Watch Reviews. Also on Instagram, we did start a Facebook page, right? P uh, yes, SoCal Watch yes. Reviews uh, page. We want to see that grow. I know people get really busy, but look, we don't take ourselves too seriously. This is just a hobby. Uh, so yeah, hit us up. You want to talk watches? You want to talk <laughs> something else? Just no Star Wars. Just don't don't bug me with that. Oh, God. <laughs> Other than that, we're all good. But uh, Justin, thank you once again, and guys, thank you so much for for taking the time to uh, P and Fred, thank you for taking the time to uh, join me in another episode and to everybody else listening, please stay safe out there. Keep your head up. We will get through this. Um, I promise you that. And uh, yeah, it's always my friends. Stay humble.